Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there and buy, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to, to him, him it is sin. Well, amen. I've enjoyed having uh, different people read the scriptures uh, that way. Um, that's been a blessing to me to hear other people reading it. Uh, we're in James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17 today. The sermon title is Arrogance Defined, and uh, it's kind of a... Uh, we used to give titles to sermons because I used to publish in the newspaper what the preacher was going to be preaching on that week. And uh, I never get a title in time to even put it like on a Facebook announcement. So uh, I apologize for that. But I always try to come up with something that will make you at least start thinking for a few minutes before we, get, before we begin. And uh, as we've been going through the book of James, uh, James, is, as I've said before, has been called the Proverbs of the New Testament. Um, great theologians, some of them, uh, especially many, many centuries ago, was w wondered whether James should even be in the Bible because it was so practical. Um, you know, uh, sometimes theologians get lost in the, in the cool little details of the Scripture, never get around to applying it, and James is all about application. Uh, he's, here's what you do. So that's why we call the whole series, and you don't have to put that back up, Practicing Jesus in a... Uh, opposing world. I've changed that title in my head so many times I have to check it out because I've, I've missed. Last week I put Acts at the beginning instead of James. So I don't know where that came from. It's just I'm getting, uh, uh, getting older, I guess. I, I looked at my notes. I'm just thankful for people that catch things like that and fix it for me before you see it. But, but here you've just heard it read uh, the, out of James um, about this whole subject of arrogance. I I had someone come to me uh, very recently, and, and they were letting me know that they had a new job opportunity. And so they're going to let me announce it. I'll tell you who it is a little bit later. But they're going to be moving to Richmond, and for one year, they're just going to do a job for one year, and they're going to get $500,000 in one year. When they said, we come back, it'll pay off our debts. I feel like God wants me to move on into ministry. This will take care of any debt I have, I can go to school debt-free, probably can pay for school with, with what's left over. And, and when I come back, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to start serving in the church uh, more and more. What would you guys say to that? Pray, glory to God, amen. Yeah, go for it. James said that's arrogance. That's utter arrogance. Notice what they just read to you. Instead, you ought to say, this is down in verse 15, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Now, that was a fictitious person. I, there is no real person. I tell you, I tell you their name. Their name is, nobody said that. Okay, all right. Uh, but it, it, it makes the point that what we think of sometimes, we just go, yeah, that's great. We do the same thing. 
you know, I, we're planning all week to have a sermon on Sundays, a service. Uh, we, we kind of joke uh, among pastors that y'all think we just show up and this happens. We, we actually work on this a lot in the weeks before we, we come together. And, and how much, even as a pastor, do you say, man, I want to preach on this. I'm going to do this series. We're going to do this. We're going to try that. And we never stop and go, if God is for this, if this is from him, and he allows me to be there to see it happen. You know, it's not just saying if God wills at the end of something. It is truly stopping and asking God, what is your will? I appreciate that last song. May I never lose the wonders what we're singing because here's what I want you to take home with you today if you'll put that up. Anything we take for granted will disappear. Now, that said in a way, again, to kind of to get your attention because I can't put the whole long sentence out there. It doesn't mean that it'll disappear like it's gone, but it means that it will disappear from your conscious mind. It'll disappear from your thinking. This is what happens in many marriages. You just sort of expect that person to be there doing this, that, or the other thing, and we begin to take each other for granted, and when we do that, we quit appreciating the little things. We, we make that a normal, and we go to expect the normal. And as Christians, we live in a world where God is at work, and we are conscious of that, but even those, that conscious presence of God, we can begin to take it for granted. And so sometimes, God goes, hold on there, buddy, and you feel that knock to go, oh yeah, God's still on his throne, and he's got something for me, and I've not been paying attention. It happens to all of us, I, I hope, uh, that, that that would happen to you if you were beginning to do that. And here, uh, it, this passage raises two big questions. And the question is the sovereignty of God, and the second is the will of man. Uh, this is, it, it, you don't find that in there as far as it's stated that way, but this is what he is saying. He's saying that a man just says, this is what I'm going to do without considering God, and he should stop and say, Lord, what is your will? What do you want me to do? And then we join him in his work, and we do that as we learn in the Bible study on experiencing God. God is always at work. He's always working around us. Like somebody, there's a popular saying out there, oh, it was a God thing. One guy said, God is sovereign. Everything's a God thing. You know, right? God's got this. He's got it in hand. And living now in, in a time where there are a lot of doubts, a lot of wonders, what's happening, what's going on. Uh, it reminds me of that old illustration. I use it a lot. Uh, when somebody said, what is this world coming to? And Grandma from the rocking chair said, an end. That, that's what's happening. We're seeing that happen. And man, if that's going to happen, that means things aren't going to remain the same. Thank you, Pastor Andy. Great lead in. Things are not going to remain the same. Things are going to change. And instead of us trying to force what we always knew into a new, you know, we're trying to put new wine in an old wineskin instead of going, wait a minute, God's changed the circumstances. How do we best take this now and do it? It'd be like a surfer, and I can't surf because two, two reasons. I don't swim that good, and I'd look silly wearing a, you know, life jacket on a surfboard. And, and number two, my balance isn't good enough to stand up on that thing in the water, all right? I'm just going to tell you. Can't do it. But I, I, I've seen surfers. I grew up on the, uh, near the beach, and, and I see, I, can you imagine a guy riding a wave all the way in? He doesn't fall until he gets way in there, and he gets in there, and he won't get off the board. He goes, no, 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 we can take this thing further. Waiting on this wave, carry me further. The wave's over, man. You got to go out there and find a new wave. God is always at work, and he's always creating. And when life around us starts changing, 
We've got to understand who God is and not let that take us by surprise. God knows where Satan is hiding. He knows what's going to happen. And even when it's a bad thing, even when it's an ugly thing, God, if we are in him, according to Romans 8, 28, he will cause all things to work together ultimately for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And you, if you're a Christian, are called according to his purpose. You're a child of God. You're a saint, not a sinner. There are no degrees of sainthood in Christianity. I'm not a better Christian than you, probably a worse. I tell you, this COVID time has been a real time of, of, of reflection and cleansing for me as I've looked at myself and, and, and asking God to, to uh, you know, you, as I said, you begin to take it for granted. The power of God is available to me, but it, do I begin to function in my own power because I've learned, oh, you can do this or you can do that or we can try this or try that instead of stopping and humbling ourselves before God and saying, God, what is it you want? Where is your will? Now, all that, all that experience, I was going to say education, but you would think school, but that kind of ed education and life's education, all of that learning, lifelong learning, God uses that as he moves us forward, but we don't depend on that. We depend on God. Thank you. I just want to hear you say it. Make sure I haven't put you to sleep yet. All right. So first we see this man-centered approach in the text. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town, spend a year there and trade and make a profit. And, and, and so he says a man-made approach is that we make a statement of what we're going to do. There's a, there's a new quaint saying. I like quaint sayings. I don't know if you noticed that before. But uh, there's a, a new quaint saying that goes like this. If you want to make God laugh, tell him what you plan to do. I like that one because there's truth in that. There's a lot of truth in that. Because the Bible says the will of man, man has this will, but the counsel of God will stand. In other words, you're never going to get do anything that you're going to make God go, oh, man, or oops, or how am I going to handle that? God's got it. He's, he knows it. And so the smart thing for us is to get under his authority, under his will, and say, God, what is your will? Where do you want me to go? Where do you have for me? And if you think about Paul when he became Paul, when he got, became a Christian, he's in there, and, he, and, and God said when he knocked him down, it's hard for you to keep rebelling against me, trying to do your own will, in, in essence. And he said, here's what's going to happen to you, and he told him what was going to happen, gave him insight into that. So any statement we make about what we're going to do after church is arrogant. What we're going to do this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow morning. When we say it without considering God, and that's the qualifier, it's arrogance. It's okay to say, hey, tomorrow we're going to get up and go to work because that's what you generally do and, and all of that. But do we in our mind really remember that and think about that? And the reason it's arrogance is you're going to die. <laughs> Look what he says. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. What's your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Man, I, I tell you, I love living here. I love living in this geographical region. And, and, and I know it's dangerous if you've got to drive to work through all of that. But I love seeing that fog down the, on the mountains or down in those valleys. It's just a beautiful sight. It's dangerous. You've got to go through it. Especially you've got to go over the mountain. And I know which one y'all are all thinking of. Uh, we came home one Sunday afternoon this past year and couldn't see... 10 feet in front of the car coming through, by it through Afton, right? It was just that foggy and don't know why, it just was. 
But it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. But you know what? That mist finally burns off. It finally moves away. It finally is not there anymore. And that happens within a couple hours. And in light of eternity, what's an 80-year life? In light of forever, how long is our life? It is very, very brief. And James says, listen, you think you, you can just say, I'm going to do this or that, and you know it's going to happen. You don't know that. You better consider your life. You better think about the fact that your life is like a mist. It appears for a moment, and then it's gone. We're all going to die. I'm grateful I had a father that kind of taught me that at a young age. He taught me the day you're born is the day you start dying, and every day you live is one day closer to the day you die. You should know, and so I'd probably not tell you anything new, but if you don't, Psalm 139 says that God had numbered our days and written them all down before there was one of them, and God counts day one at conception. And he wrote the day you would be conceived, how you would develop in your mother's womb, how you would be born, where you'd be born, to whom you'd be born, what you would do. He wrote all that down, and then at the end he wrote, and on this day in this way, that person will leave earth and go into eternity. And there's nothing you can do to hasten that day, and there's nothing you can do to prolong that day. Now, I, I, listen, we're in the midst of a pandemic. I'm not going to tell you to be careless. I'm not going to tell you to be stupid. Knowing that, believing that, understanding that, I'm not going to go stand in the middle of 262 and dare a truck to run over me, all right? I, I'm just not that dumb, all right? And so a certain amount of caution is fine, but what it is for the Christian is I don't have to have fear. Because I, I, this thought actually went through my mind. I don't know whether I should say this in pulpit. Y'all think I'm really crazy. But when this thing first hit, and oh my goodness, this thing, people are going to die, it's all, it's all over, everybody's going, I thought, oh, this is how God's going to take me home. I don't know why I thought that, and it may still happen, I don't know, COVID's still out there, so is the Spanish flu for the past century, it's been out there, and everybody's worrying, you know, and we're all just anxious, why are you anxious? Were you planning to live forever? See, when I say that, oh, well, that's arrogant to think that, well, it's arrogant to think I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning according to this text, right? Without considering God. I'm not saying God's going to go, oh, by the way, <laughs> you're going to die before tomorrow morning, right? He doesn't do that. You know about two guys that, that were friends, they were both Christians, and they played on the church softball team, but they loved, I mean, they, that's why they came to church was to play softball. It wasn't the other way around, you know what I'm saying? And one of them got really sick, and, and he was at the point of death. So his friend came, went to visit him in the hospital, and and he said, listen, man, if you, if you go to heaven, find out if there's baseball, and if you can somehow get back to me on that, I would love to know we could play softball in heaven. He goes, okay, I'll do my best. Sure enough, the guy died, and a couple of days later, he, the guy's asleep, and he felt something in his room, woke up, and the guy's standing there. He said, God granted that I just come let you know there is softball in heaven. He said, that's great. He said, yeah, and you're pitching next Wednesday. <laughs> God doesn't do that, okay? He doesn't let you know when you're going. But there is a day coming. And when it comes, we embrace it. Tolkien called this the, the, the gift that God gave to man to die. But you see, I've already died. I died in 1968 when I stood before a congregation and said, I believe that Jesus is Lord and that he is my Savior. 
In that moment, God killed me and raised me a brand new creation. And so I've already died, and since I've already died, was born twice, that's the only death I've got to worry about. Because when I die physically, I'm not actually dying, I'm just moving. Leaving this earthly house for my heavenly home. And James says, you better think about that as you make plans. Not to not make plans. The Bible says a wise man makes plans. But James' point is this, don't make plans in arrogance. Make plans in the fear of God. Knowing that God is in control. See, the God-centered approach, he goes on to say... Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. He's saying, if the Lord wills. In fact, it became a little saying in Latin, and I don't speak Latin, but this one I think I got. I, there's some people in here who know Latin, and they can correct my pronunciation later. But it's Deo Valente. It means God willing. You still hear this. Arabic people say it to a false god or to the real god if they're, they're saved. God wills it, if God is willing. They, they understand that. Jewish people say it. A lot of people say it. We have forgotten it. The Christian world used to say that. In fact, they used to sign letters, DV, just Deo Valente, just to remind themselves. Or they would say, tomorrow, DV, we're going to go and play baseball. You know, They would always put that in there as a reminder. But again, if you say it all the time, it's just a trite saying. It doesn't become real to you. You see, and, and so we need to remember because arrogance is rooted in pride, and pride is thinking you're better than God. Now, I doubt there'd be anybody in here go, oh, yeah, I'm better than God. But we do say it in certain ways. Oh, I could never teach that Sunday school class, or I could never witness to anyone, or I, don't, I couldn't read my Bible, or I can't pray. You've already quit before you started, and God is going to give you the power to do whatever he asks you to do. You shouldn't be a Sunday school teacher. God doesn't want you to be a Sunday school teacher. Not everybody should do that. Not everybody should be a preacher. Some of them that are shouldn't be. Not everybody can be in the choir. Not everybody can play an instrument. That, it's fine, but find out what God wants, and then God willing, do that. And don't say what you can't do. Find out what God will enable you to do. Because God doesn't call the able, he calls the willing. And if you're willing, he will take that and he will use it. In fact, I just want you to see that arrogance root is in pride. Because the Bible says in Satan's fall that he said, I will arise above the one who sits on the throne. He said, I will be the greatest. I will rise above him. And God judged him and cast him out. And the third of the angels fell. He cast them out and he gave them no grace and they will never have grace. You got to understand this. This is good theology. You got to get a hold of this. The angelic beings that God created, a third of them rebelled against him. And he said, fine. And he created hell for them and cast them out of heaven and doesn't give them a second chance. Then he made a lesser creature called man. And man did the same. That, that one that led that rebellion comes to man in the garden and says, huh, I know how to fix this. I'm going to get God by getting that guy to do what I did. And you see, when man sinned in the garden, it wasn't necessarily an apple. It probably wasn't an apple. It just says it was fruit. When man did that in the garden... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lust of the flesh, man, that thing will make my belly feel good, and it'll taste good. The lust of the eyes, saw that it was beautiful. And the pride of life, you will know good and evil, and you will be like God, is the lie of Satan to them. Right? 
So arrogance and Satan's fall. Arrogance and Satan leading Adam in the garden to fall. And then my third one is everybody ever since. All of us ever since. And you know why the devil's so mad at us? I want to make sure you caught this point. God gives men grace. And he gives men grace by paying for their sin himself. Now that ought to blow your mind every day. Every day you get up and go, wait a minute, are you, are you kidding me? I'm, I'm, I get to go to hell. I get to talk to you. And in Jesus' name, I could come into your throne room and I can speak to the creator God? Thank you. Oh, thank you. Man, if you got a, an audience with a dignitary, even a minor dignitary, you would count it an honor. You'd be respectful. You'd go in there, do what you had to do, and, and you, would, you would think that was a great thing. You have the opportunity to speak to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the God who created everything you know every day. But when you take him for granted, he disappears out of your life. See, that's why that little thing was at the beginning. And James goes on to say that we are arrogant, and that arrogance is evil. It's rooted in pride. And then he says, so, whatever, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. Whenever, when we, when I went to, on a trip to Argentina on a mission trip uh, many, many years ago, and uh, uh, I went with my oldest daughter, Savannah, and while we were there, the way we would talk to people is we would ask them through a translator, obviously, because I don't know Spanish, what is sin? And man, I, we got the same answer almost every time. Killing someone, adultery, you know, robbing, those big things. That's what they would always say. And we had to show them that sin doesn't have to be that big. It can be not praying. It could be not reading scripture. It could be not assembling together. In fact, you say, well, now wait a minute. Not coming to church is not a sin. According to Hebrews 10, it is. He says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner some is, but all the more you see the day approaching, come together to encourage each other, love and good works. And then the very next phrase is, for those who go on sinning willfully. And when you don't gather, God says, that's wrong. That's a sin. What is that? That's a sin of omission. These big ones we think of are sins of commission. But you know, if you don't check in with God and you don't do the thing that he told you to do that is the right thing to do, he says, that's a sin. It is a sin to say no to God. In fact, the Christian ought to have, yes, Lord, just stamped on his forehead. We're coming to a day where they're going to stamp something on our hand or forehead. Right now, they're, they're talking about in the COVID vaccine that's coming. At, at least this is the report. Hope it's accurate. I didn't super double check it, but it seems this way. It's real. They want to put a little chip in there so that they can just scan you and know you got the vaccination. I often wondered, why would anybody go ahead and take a chip or get a mark on them to buy and sell? Well, I'm sorry, sir. You, don't, you didn't get the COVID virus thing, and I'm not saying it's going to be covid but just think about that. You didn't get the COVID virus because we don't check you on the scanner. You can't come in our store. You can't buy from us. Oh. I'm telling you, there's a lot of things in prophecy we said would make sense once we went through it. Who would have thought that, oh, we're going to have a really bad flu go around. Well, let's all shut our churches. Okay. I'm not saying we shouldn't be safe. I'm not saying, should, like I said, 
I'm not going to stand in the middle of the road and dare a truck to run over me. I, I want you to be safe from me, and I certainly want to be safe from you. But I just see so much fear and so much, listen, we're coming to a day we're going to have to choose, and we're going to have to know what is God asking us to do. And when we know that, to not do it is to sin. We, we kind of had a, a, a philosophy with our children, and that is we never punished them for something we didn't tell them. In other words, if they didn't know that they shouldn't be doing that, it's called childish foolishness. Now, if they knew, God help them. <laughs> but if they don't know, they don't know. You say, you know what, you shouldn't do that, but I never told you about it. But let me explain more thoroughly the ways of God. And then you explain it to them. Now they're accountable. We are accountable to God to know his will. And when we don't know his will, it's because we didn't do what he told us to do, and it's the sin of omission. If you know it's his will to go before him every day and say, Lord, what do you want for me today? What do you have for me today? What do you have not only in my life, however long it may be, but what do you have today for me to do? And then go out to do that thing that's, that's really sin for us. So what do you do with all this? Well, first of all, don't assume you're going to be here tomorrow. Count your days and apply your heart to wisdom. I, I, I marked these verses so that I could read them to you. Psalm verse 90, chapter 90, sorry, and verse 12. David says this, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Now, he doesn't mean that you know what day you're going to die and number them, but realize your day is coming to an end. There is an end. I, I think I've told you, I told my daddy one time, he asked me to do something. I said, I don't have to do that. I was pretty young. I can't believe I said it. I still don't even remember the circumstances because I can't believe I said it. And instead of whooping me like he should have done, he looked at me and said, you're right. Now, that got my attention. He said, only two things you got to do, die and live till you do die. Now, I understood in that, that if I didn't do what he said, that day of death might be fast approaching. <laughs> but that's exactly the truth about our lives. All you've got to do is die and live till you do die. And in your living, you better be living by the will of God and knowing my day is coming. It could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be 20 years from now, it could be 50 years from now, I may be the longest living person since the flood ever. I doubt it, but it's possible. But I don't know what the will of God is about the day I die. So since it might be tomorrow, I better get done today what he told me to do today. Because I promise you, on the day of my death, there's going to be undone things in my life. Right? But when you quit doing the things God's calling you to do, you're dead and don't have the decency to lay down. So hopefully you're still trying to do God's will every day. And you'll leave some stuff undone. Had Jesus healed every person when he went to the cross? Had he raised every dead person when he went to the cross? Had he fed every hungry person when he went to the cross? No. But he said, Lord, I have accomplished the task you sent me to do. He had done his, what God wanted him to do, he had done it. And he was confident and knew that. Secondly, not only don't assume that you're going to live tomorrow, rather apply your heart to wisdom, always, always, always acknowledge God. This is, this is a no-brainer, but Proverbs 3, 5, and I put actually through 8. We always quote 5 and 6, but look at the second two after that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean to you on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. 
Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. You see that principle that's right there in that text? So many times we get a hold of a favorite text and we drop off the longer part because we... With, Sometimes go back and go to your favorite verse and read what happened before it and after it. It'll change that meaning for you. He just said, because don't be wise in your own eyes, but acknowledge God because that's the only way you're going to be healthy and live right. God is always trying to get our attention for us to do what's right. And so let's not define arrogance by assuming on God. Let's go to him and say, God, what is your will? Let's pray for a moment together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that we can know your will. Lord, there may be some people asking, how can I know God's will? But you told us the answer in Romans 12, 1 and 2. To not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And so, Lord, help us to do that. Teach us to number our days. Show us our life is but a vapor. It's passing. We're like a flower in the field. And they're beautiful right now, Lord. They're wildflowers everywhere. God, thank you. It's so gorgeous. And yet this is the fallen, ugly version. Can't wait to see the perfect version that you intended. But, Lord, those flowers are going to die and fade away. And if you put that much effort into these beautiful little tiny blooms, they're so intricate, surely you care about us. And you've got a plan for us and a time for us to flower and to bloom and to produce fruit for your kingdom. But Lord, if we're ignoring you, we'll never hear from you what that is. So Lord, may we humble ourselves as we saw last week, submit ourselves to you, and then resist the devil and live for God. And so, Lord, I pray right now that those who are believers who are hearing this, Lord, I'm not going to tell you what to tell them. That's up to you, I know, the Holy Spirit. But, Lord, we do pray that we would catch hold of this lesson that we, we do see, obviously, here today, that we should number our days, that we would realize every morning we wake up, we ought to thank you that at least we woke up. We may die that day, but at least we woke up. And from the moment that our eyes awaken, our conscious mind is awakened, until the end of that day or until our death, we need to listen to what you're saying, not what we think. And Lord, if there's somebody listening, either online, I so appreciate those who watch these things or here in this audience today who doesn't know you, God, I pray that they would confess you as Lord and Savior, as King, as, as the ruler of all things. And, Lord, they would submit themselves to your will, which is a perfect will. It is a good will. It is a holy will. And when we do your will, we don't have to worry if we've done the right thing or not because it was your will. It had to be the right thing. Keep us from arrogance, either saying we know what your will is or even ignoring what your will is. But, Lord, may we walk as humble servants listening to what the Lord would say through your word and through other means that you use to illuminate your word to our lives and then may we quickly obey and we ask for these blessings in Jesus name